welcome to episode 70 of Friends in Film, a podcast discussing this movie news and theatrical releases. On this episode, we'll cover Dunkirk's new trailer, our first look at The Dark Tower, Finn's future, and more, all before we review Guardians of Galaxy Volume 2. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes at Friends of Film. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by a man who can definitively be classified as a dancer, Josh Straley. I can actually. I've got this like shoulder back and forth move that I'm yeah. doing right now. Is it's, it, it's, it's actually it, awful. I mean, it's, it's kind of reminiscent of uh, the opening of the movie. So, I mean, it's not it's not terrible. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. The opening. Um, I think you're on par with James Gunn. Um, <laughs> yes. And I, I will go on record now saying James Gunn's the best dancer in the entire world. I learned that he did the mocap for the the dancing. Yes. Just yesterday. And he, so. did, he did it for the baby grew at the end uh, the of first the first one. movie as well. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would love to see the video, like the raw footage of him in a mocap suit, just doing those, oh, I'm sure doing those dance moves. It'd be great. Um, but yeah, we're, we're reviewing Guardians 2 this week. Uh, we, as you know, last week and the last couple of weeks, I think we've changed up our format a little bit to do the reviews at the top of the show. Uh, and then we'll get to the news and with flyby stuff if we have time. Um, and because of that, if you... We will discuss spoilers for our reviews at a certain point. So if you want to know when the spoiler talk will happen to avoid it or make sure you turn it, tune into that point, uh, there will be a timestamp in the description of the episodes noting when we start spoilers, when we end spoilers, move on to news again. Um, so uh, if you want to avoid spoilers, check out the description. Make sure you – we don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. If you just want to get our thoughts on the movie before, that's great. Um, but see the movie first anyways. Um so check out the description before we get onto the review. Uh, and I'm starting off this week. And before we get to the review, Ooh. I have I had one of the worst theater experiences oh boy. watching this movie um, because I like going to movie theaters is great. Uh, you get a large large uh, popcorn. You get a drink. You're there with friends. You you're there for two hours. You just relax and watch a movie. Have a great experience. Yeah. Even if the movie sucks, you can still have fun there. And over the last like two years, I've I've gone to a lot of movies by myself, and the, you find other ways to like enjoy, and just kind of go more into the movie, and you know just just taking the experience and stuff. And when we went to go see Guardians two on Thursday night, uh, it was one of the it was the last showing in IMAX, and me and my group of friends we sat in like the front row, where you can put the feet up on the railing, so you don't have to worry about people sitting in front of you and stuff. And heck yeah. This one guy sits directly behind me, is all alone, and he would not shut up. Oh, jeez. And not not from talking to like us or talking to himself, but just from laughing uncontrollably at the top of his lungs at every <laughs> single moment. I mean, it had started right in the trailers, and we all kind of looked at each other like, is this going to happen throughout the entire movie? And it did. And it made the movie really hard to get through because Guardians 2 is a really funny movie. Yeah. And even the parts that were like kind of funny, he was like laughing at everything. Like this isn't a spoiler, but in the first two minutes, Dairy Queen appears and he just goes, oh, "Oh, Dairy Queen. (laughs) What? And like, it makes no, it made no sense. And he is directly behind me. So any, and like you can kind of tell in movies when a joke's going to happen. Right. When the punchline's going to hit. And every time I just kind of, I braced myself. because I was like, I know it's coming mm-hmm. and I, I can't stand it. Uh, <laughs> so it was, it was so bad. And like, I get movies are fun. Guardians 2 is a fun movie and stuff, but you have to understand that it's not 
you alone in a theater like or at your house or something this is a public place it's the same reason you shouldn't just have your phone out with brightness full on blatantly texting it's the same reason you shouldn't just be talking throughout the entirety of the movie uh i even i even get distracted people get up and leave in the middle of movies and walk in and out and Mm -hmm. stuff so if you're i mean no like offense to this guy but like try to control your laughter man like it was it was so unbearable I'm sure. um that i had like literally friday morning i went to the very first showing yeah. of guardians because like i have to see it again mm-hmm. without this just annoyance behind <laughs> me at a certain point dairy queen can only be so funny <laughs> i mean i don't think i've ever nobody else laughed that like dairy queen popped up but this guy just thought it was like the funniest thing in the world and it was the same thing for like every single joke um and yeah it was it was oh it was so hard to get through that movie so guardians of the galaxy your first time hard to get through but yes it was both still, of but it was times, still enjoyable yeah it was just every time there was a joke i was laughing but also annoyed at what is happening behind <laughs> okay. me so uh that's that's my that's my rants on you know theater protocol etiquette etiquette, yes Mm -hmm. uh just be mindful of other people around you and stuff uh because it can it can ruin even though you might be having a great time you can ruin the experience for other people sure so uh as for the movie itself yes i thought it was a great follow-up to one of marvel's best movies um right from the get-go baby grew just establishes himself as one of the most adorable hilarious characters in all of cinema uh chris pratt is obviously back as star lord he is just as charming as ever but he also has he has a heightened swagger to him now because the guardians are the guardians are back they are still they're now a known thing in the galaxy and i think he embraces that pretty well uh he doesn't have i don't think his his emotional journey is very profound and very important to the overall movie um i don't think it necessarily uh was crafted in a way where he got to exploit that to the full of his potential as an actor but that's that's for a different discussion okay. spoilers possibly um but i liked zoe saldana she was great against gamora even though i think she's still underused a little bit uh we'd like to see her have more just awesome cool moments or she kind of has this all whole other subplot with nebula which is cool but it's also just kind of a side plot to a side plot um so it's not the most important thing in the movie i liked dave batista as well he's back as drax he was hilarious but mm-hmm. again he has like no action scenes and he's called drax the destroyer and he doesn't get destroy anything except for like one puny little spaceship yeah. um so that was kind of disappointing um, one of the best parts of the movie for me was Rocket. Uh, I mean, he he goes on this great journey, uh, and he's paired with Yondu for most of it, and them two together and separate, um, both were awesome. I thought Michael Rooker did a great job in the role. Probably gave, I mean, I don't want to say he's like an Oscar worthy performance or anything, but like it's a it's one. Of, I think it's one of the better like Marvel performances in the MCU. Okay. Um, because he just he doesn't have to play just like the villainy or you know antagonistic role that he had to play in the first one this one he is going back and forth between am i against them am i with them um and then he's exploring kind of what it means to be part of the guardians what it's you know his importance in, in peter's life and everything else that happens after that um 
the new addition, Palm Clementif as Mantis. She's really funny. Uh, she doesn't get a lot of moments to kind of shine. Um, but I mean, her, I think like one of her first lines of dialogue is about smiling and it's mm-hmm. like, it's very, um, I can't remember which Terminator movie it is, but there's a very like similar like part in Terminator where he is trying to learn how to smile. She does the same thing here. It's really funny. Um, Kurt Russell, obviously his ego. I liked him. I thought he's kind of all over the place at certain points. He, he kind of, he's introduced very early on and then he's just kind of there and expositioning a lot of stuff. And then other things happen and you're just like, okay, it's Kurt Russell. Yeah. So I like it, mm-hmm. but, uh, it could, it could have been better, I think. Um, which the thing I like about it is this movie is much more of a character piece than I think the first one is where the first one is it's about the characters, but it's also about the spectacle. And this one has those spectacle moments as well, but it's also, it splits up the team. So we're looking at sections of the team or, um, pairings within those groups and you get to know more about them as characters. And it, even though I think it sacrifices on kind of the spectacle nature of the movie, but it, I mean, it does have those moments eventually, but, uh, they also don't you know keep all the guardians with you know having their best moments or having those awesome like holy holy crap moments where you're just like i mean it's not it's not a civil war battle type of thing or okay. even like an avengers or age i mean anything like that um so i think the story takes a little bit to kick in which i think kind of hurts it but i think the third act's really 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 good um i one of my other criticisms would be Nebula. Um, oh, okay. I like, I like Karen Gillan as an actress. I like her in the first movie, but I think she works a lot better when she is with Gamora, and she's playing that little sister um, to Gamora instead of being like, "I'm a villain. I'm going to. I'm going to go after you guys." Mm-hmm. I like, I like the the good side of Nebula more than I like the bad side. I think Karen Gillan can play that that sweeter side better than I'm mm, eyebrow raising, you know, pinky to the, to okay. the chin type of villain. I don't think she sure. plays that as well. Um, and I did say that this movie is very funny and it is, but it also, I think has too many jokes at points where there's moments of, you know, very hard hitting important parts of the story. And then every single one, most of them are almost undercut at the very end with a joke. And I'm like, I, I don't need that joke right there. I wanted to sit with this part of the okay, story that yeah. you, that you put in front of me specifically Drax, maybe Drax and a lot of parts. There's, okay. I mean, there's a couple moments with like with Groot or, um, that have the same impact. Uh, one I can mention later on in spoilers, but, gotcha. um, I do think it's, that does a really good job of setting up these, this Marvel cosmic universe that they're talking about that James Gunn is helping to, uh, orchestrate and set up and everything. Um, while also still, stay in a self-contained movie there's no infinity stones no thanos no um you know big setups to here's what's coming next and this is how this movie is super important to what's mm-hmm. to the future of these next four movies it's more here's how this movie is important to these five characters and you'll see how that how we how we build off this moving forward um so i'm excited to see more from it I still think it's one of the, I think it's a really good Marvel movie, really good superhero movie. Um, it didn't quite live up to my super high expectations because it was my most anticipated movie of the year, so that can always be tough. Um, so I'm not I'm not disappointed in the movie. I kind of lowered my expectations as we got closer, but uh, I'm going to settle with four ticket stubs out of five. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. Um, well, I think I, I seems like I'm right there with you. Uh, James Gunn and company definitely didn't make a perfect movie here. Yeah. But they made a perfect sequel. And the, in the three-tiered layer cake that's going to be this Guardians of the Galaxy franchise that mm-hmm. he's doing, this is the perfect second tier. Um, the main, like you said, the main story breaks everybody up and it focuses on the characters. And there's three, four different threads that build relationships excellently. I, enough to me for me to say that I think James Gunn might actually be the best character writer mm-hmm. that Marvel's ever picked up because I was outstanding. Star-Lord and Ego together, Yandu and Star-Lord together, Gamora and Nebula, well... I th- I don't know where you say where you land in there, but I, I, I liked them together. Absolutely loved them together. I enjoyed the side of the side plot, it, especially because it gave me one of my favorite shots from the movie is Gamora with the uh, Milano uh, laser cannon just drilling that thing. It was just, that, that's epic. Uh, but then yeah, and then Ron, Yandu and Rocket together, a, a pair that I would not have put together um, before. And turned out that when they were together, their back and forth, their dynamics, they're the similar in so many ways. Uh, I really love that connection. And then, like you said, Baby Groot, too. He's just there, but he's there for you to, you know, kind of oogle or like just be like, oh, I'll look at him do it. And then, like you said, the very opening scene. Uh, I can't mean, is that a spoiler? No. Just, just the dancing and like it was, the, it was funny in two ways. One, because it was Baby Groot. And two, because that shot had to be expensive oh yeah you know to have that done and that just be your opening uh your opening credit roll uh awesome um but i was super 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 happy uh that the focus of everything stayed on these people and didn't try to blow everything up at least in the first two acts um and once we get past the characters, though, like you said, it's basically another Guardians movie. Uh, the qu- the quips and the jokes are all there. Rocket is as funny as ever. Um, Groot is as great as ever. Uh, the, the the dysfunctional family that everybody loves uh, is back. I did forget to mention that Drax and Mantis, what a pair together. Mm-hmm. Like I think I said something similar in our preview that it would be interesting to see how Drax relates to her because you know they're two social outsiders and it's perfect yeah. like you said with the smiling thing and then uh, Drax is like that's that's not how you do that yeah. and then uh what was the other one that they're talking about oh like being beautiful on the yeah. inside and the outside uh which that was all great um soundtrack this the awesome mixtape too I will say uh it's gonna be the staple of my summer every song I think was excellent that there wasn't one where it's just like yeah it's all about that no it was it was really good it didn't it didn't hit me as well as i think the first one did sure uh because that first that first one i mean the first movie is so special but so i think mm-hmm. is awesome mix volume one i agree volume mix volume awesome mix volume two is growing on me the more i listen to it um but i'm still like i don't have those images in, like embedded in my brain of oh this is exactly what's happening when this sure. song's playing sort of yeah. thing um, Mr. Blue Sky, that's the opening track, if I remember correctly. Whatever it is, yeah. but that's Dancing Baby Groot's mm-hmm. number, and that's forever going to be burned yes. in my head, as, lo- as well as um, Southern, Southern Nights by Brad Campbell, 
which is what's playing as Rocket uh, yeah, yeah. takes care of the Ravagers in the forest. Absolutely excellent. But like I said, though, it wasn't perfect. And I think it starts with Chris Pratt. He was underwhelming. It, he filmed this, I think, while he was doing Passengers. And mm-hmm. it just seemed like he was worn out a bit. And even though he did show up for the parts where he needed to show up for, uh, everything else is just sort of like, it's Chris Pratt coasting. But he's a star. I mean, he's he does everything he does so well. Um, I don't think that's a problem. And then, uh, like I said, Ego and Star-Lord's relationship, while I did like it, everything in that part of the plot is forgettable. Um, and that's kind of where the story comes mm-hmm. to a crawl. Um, when we're looking at that whole area of the movie and I kept wanting to say, oh, let's get back to Rocket and Yondu and Baby Groot because that's where it seems all the action is. Mm -hmm. And that's where everything slowed for me. Um, And then by the time we got to the third act, I was just kind of like, oh, this suddenly jumped to a 10. And I I hate movies at a 10. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But all of that said, this is a perfect sequel when you mesh it up together with volume one and i think that's i think that's all i could have asked for um so all in all i've got four ticket stubs okay yeah uh, i think i think that that's very fair uh, a lot of criticisms i mean yeah I, I don't i think i said in the review that i think chris pratt was just as good mm-hmm. i may have been over exaggerating a little bit because I, I mean i do kind of agree with you that he isn't he isn't quite there's just some, there's something not as special about it maybe it's because it's not a, it's not his first time it's not his mm-hmm. breakout role where i mean that always happens i think when when you're an actor and you get you get that role that this is my chance to prove that i that i'm like i'm capable of being the star i think chris pratt put a lot of himself into that first guardians movie and then he know i mean he knows the second one is going to be successful right whether he he could have just been mute the whole movie and it's still going to make a hundred mm-hmm. plus million dollars at the opening weekend it's going to make close to a billion at the box office probably like it's going to be a a, fi- a successful movie almost regardless of him in yeah a sense. and i don't mean to criticize his acting because he's still good yeah. he's still he's still great he's chris pratt mm-hmm. um but there just wasn't anything new yeah. from him other than his interactions with ego and mm-hmm. all of that so outside of that, I yeah. don't want to like say I'm like putting right, yeah. Out, I think I think he has he has some great moments. Mm-hmm. I think, but it's near it's near the end of the movie. So yes, absolutely. The whole the whole yeah lead up to that is kind of yeah he's Chris Pratt. Yeah. So uh, let's move into spoilers here. So if you have not seen the movie, uh, and you are going to, or if I guess I mean if you're not going to, I guess you can listen to spoilers because you're not going to care. I guess, but uh, if you are going to see the movie, you haven't yet skip past the spoilers check the description of the episode to go to the news where we'll talk about a couple of trailers and some other super related topics but uh, we're going to move into spoilers right now and i think the big one is obviously ego uh we talked about in our preview episode that he we thought he was going to be the villain turns out he is mm-hmm. um and that was kind of interesting because especially watching it a second time um there, there's a lot of foreshadowing in this movie that kind of sets up this turn. Um, I mean, even initially Peter, when he first meets him, he's like, there's something off about this. Like he's just showing up all, all out of the blue all right now. Like I don't trust this guy. And the Gamora kind of pushes him to, to trust him. Like, this is your father. You like, he deserves, or you deserve to kind of meet him and see what he's all about basically after yeah. all these years. 
then he does that. He gets drawn into Ego's charm and fatherness and everything and the promise of, I'll be the best dad that I can be to you. Uh, and it's all for an act, basically. And then when Gamora is like, dude, there's something wrong about this guy and this <laughs> whole planet. We need to leave. He's like, why are you trying to take this away from me? Like, you pushed me here. Now I'm here and I'm happy. Don't take this away from me because I finally have my family. Yeah. I thought that was a really great moment. That was right after that where she says, I thought you already had your family. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, it's so true. Yeah. And then he he, I mean, he realizes that at a certain point because the turn of the movie happens right at the start of the third act uh, after Nebula and, and Gamora fight. They discover this chamber of bones in the core of ego and at the same time ego is explaining his his purpose in life that he has found as a celestial which i thought was really cool uh that his purpose is to basically take over the entire universe uh yeah as what he calls the expansion and he's he is over the millions of years he's implanted himself into every planet he's visited trying to find uh, just to take over control and reshape right. the planets to make them what he wants them to be because he was disappointed in life, basically. Right. So in order to do this, however, he needs a ton of power. And he's like, I have to find another celestial, but I am the only one that I know of. So I'm going to create a new celestial yeah. by having babies with every alien species I encounter until he finds one until, that, until he yeah. finds one that you know works. And that's where all the bones were, the bones of all of his children, from different races. Um, but then he eventually hears about what happens with the power stone, in the first movie and that star Lord can hold it and not die. Uh, and that's how he knew that Peter's also part celestial, um, which is kind of a big reveal in the movie as well. But then you really have to know how evil uh, ego is, when you know he's talking about you know well why'd you leave my mom and all this stuff and he's like it really pained me to do this because i really did love your mother which is why it made it so hard to put that tumor in her head yeah and then that's just instantly i love the moment when because he star lord Institute goes what yeah that shot that i want i have a note on there about that shot because it's they use such a wide angle lens that it distorts his face and it just yeah. really adds this uh it, it makes the impression of him waking up mm-hmm. uh it's almost like coming out of a daze. Yeah. Like, I mean, he was basically. Yeah. And which, cause he has, eyes he had, he had the whole, he could see eternity. It was very, it was a very cool effect. Yes. I love that. But then, and then that shot, like as he comes out of it, snaps out of everything, I was like, Oh, that was a really good moment. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I mean, I thought that was a great, I like, I loved the reveal. And I actually, after watching the movie a second time, I remembered like two years ago, I was watching guardians and I had the thought of like, it's so weird that the moment Peter is picked up is the exact moment his mom dies. Like how coincidental is that? And I was yeah. like, I wonder, and I like put this on like one of my Twitter accounts. It's like, I wonder if ego or like that, or I didn't know it was ego, but I was like, I wonder if star Lord's dad had a part to play in, you know, the death of his oh, mom. And then I was like, Holy crap. I kind of called that. Yeah. Uh, I did it. Like it kind of, it kind of went right by me, but uh, I really liked that aspect of the story and that even though he was so you know kind of starry-eyed for his dad and be like oh yes you're my dad we're yeah. back together the moment he's like you killed my mom he's started he's like that anything else you've son you said and done doesn't matter anymore yeah, because my mom's 
the number one person in my life and you took her from me and I'm going to kill you for it. Yeah, and then he just pulls his pistols out and then just like guns him down. That's yeah. a really nice, really yeah. nice sequence. Which I, that's one of those moments where I thought Chris Pratt really got a chance to, yeah. to act and show his acting ability, but then also like a couple minutes later when Ego kind of, he puts all this energy into him so he can be used as a battery so, he, so Ego can't take over all these planets. Um, then he still has the Walkman on and Ego takes it and crushes it. Yeah. And he's like a couple of tears come down. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't crush the Walkman. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the follow-up, can we talk about the next yeah, great yeah. Chris Pratt acting part? Yeah, yeah. Uh, is the final moments with Michael Rooker. And oh Dale. yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, because spoiler, I guess Michael Rooker bites the dust. Yeah. Uh, Yondu basically saves Chris Pratt from the uh, erupting planet or ego, uh, which is weird to s- try to describe how that works out. But yeah. And Yondu basically sacrifices himself to get Pratt into the stratosphere mm-hmm. uh, and away from everything and yeah. freezes to death. Um, kind of foreshadowing, you know, what happened to his Ravager team mm-hmm. early in the movie. So, and the, the, that scene between Yondu and Pratt, um, especially with the buildup of the relationship and the, realiza- the realizations earlier in the movie that Yondu kept Star-Lord Peter from Ego because he realized what was going on yeah. with all those other kids that he'd been bringing to the guy. And that was like, oh... That makes the first movie so much better, yeah. especially when Yandu's beating the crap out of him mm-hmm. after rescuing him. It's like, oh, he really wasn't gonna like kill the dude. He no. just wanted to scare him or you know whatever, teach him a lesson. And that, that's why these movies just fit so mm-hmm. well together. And but yeah, that scene between those two, remarkable. Yeah, and like watching it the second time, uh, I mean, yeah, the whole the whole Yandu send off um, first time pretty emotional surprisingly i was like you did this really really well james going like hats off to you mm-hmm. for that one uh i actually think they did a better send-off for yondu than they did for harrison ford's on solo like well it really wasn't exactly <laughs> like that's what i'm saying like it's so it's just it's just weird because like yondu is such a new character for a lot of people and you know he he's not the biggest role but uh i mean his send-off's great the whole ravager clan comes back together they gave him that great ravager funeral Craglin has that moment where I was like, yeah, I'm right there with you. Like yeah. Yondu deserves this. Um, and watching the second time because everybody else is leaving the pl- leaving ego as you know, the timer counts down the bomb and rocket is like, Yondu come with us. We're leaving. The plant's going to explode in T minus three minutes or whatever. And he's like, I haven't done anything good in my life. Uh, you got to give me this one. I'm not leaving. Mm-hmm. And then he gives Rocket gives him the jetpack and then the spacesuit, and it's like, here's one of each. Uh, I can't. He's like, uh, what does he say? I can only lo- afford to lose one friend today. Uh, yeah, he says that a bit later. Yeah, when he, stops he says some, he says something right after, but um, it's like watching the second time. They both know that Yondu's going to go save Peter, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh man, yeah. Like it make it makes it like so like bittersweet. She's like. Yandu, like you're such a good guy right. after all this time, but which plays into what Rocket was saying earlier when he does take down Gamora. Mm-hmm. He says, "I'm only losing one friend today," yeah. and it, it didn't occur to me until the end that and put that those he, pieces together that he meant Yandu the whole time. He knew yeah. Peter was getting out. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it was very good, and and uh, even like because uh, 
right after that line, they show like the doors close on the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drax is like, "Where's Where's Peter? Where's Peter?" And uh, you see a back, you see a shot from behind of Rocket, and then the last shot of uh, Yandu's funeral is of Rocket crying. Yeah, and I was like, man, like they've like had like no time together really, except for this movie. But their connection was so strong, yeah. um, which is why I thought that was one of the best parts of the film. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just thought that whole Yondu rocket relationship was super, super great. And that's where I think I had a lot of the best moments for me, like rockets fight in the woods against the ravagers where he's just like imploring all these traps and mm-hmm. like gadgets. I was like, this is so cool. Yeah. And he's like, he like, he like basically is like a little Manny Pacquiao and just like beating the, like beating the face of that one guy. <laughs> yes. Uh, it was awesome. And then, um, when they're ex- escaping from the ravagers, that whole shot of like of all of them, like rocket standard pistols on the sides. He's shooting and Yandu's just there whistling. They're both laughing hysterically as they're just mm-hmm. killing ravagers left and right. Uh, I mean, that prison breakout scene's awesome. Yeah. So I think it's one of the better, those two are probably my favorite action sequences of the movie. Not the, not the final battle. Yeah, absolutely. And the final battle is the, the final act. I mean, can I, I'm going to get back into kind of yeah. why the movie went wrong for me. Ego's plan, like you said, was to take over the entire galaxy because he found well first of all he found first he went all he went to go find life because he thought he was he was bored he yeah. wanted to go meet people then he realized the people he was meeting were boring mm-hmm. so then he realized oh i'll just replace every place in the galaxy with myself yeah. who i got bored with in the first place and i was like wait 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 that's the plan and then suddenly the entire galaxy was at stake they're called the guardians of the galaxy yeah. so you have to raise the stakes but I'll say it over and over again. I hate when movies go zero to 10 real quick. Mm -hmm. And this movie felt so small and intimate. And it was like, okay, the sovereign are going to come and uh, do some damage. And that'll be the villain, the final villains, if Mm -hmm. you will, or ego will complicate the final villains battle. But it turned out to be the ego had to be, you know, put down. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, um, well, I'm not about that. And then super powered star Lord, when he realizes that he, is also part celestial and he can control it in the same way ego is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, I, I was like, how is this going to work? Yeah. Cause I was like, you kind of turn him into like an Adam Warlock figure, right? You're giving him all this power. I dug all the action there, especially with a soundtrack to, uh, the, the, yeah, it was the chain by Fleetwood Mac. Mm-hmm. Yep, I loved that, and I loved the Pac Man coming out. Like that was a great. That, that was so, that was so weird. Like I mean, it, I I liked I like it, but it was also like this big like climactic showdown. Mm-hmm. We have a giant Kurt Russell rock figure, and then yeah. Pac Man. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> no. interesting. I can't imagine what the kid behind you was laughing at when that came. Oh, out. I mean, he was he was yeah. having a ball. <laughs> <laughs> Good for him, I suppose. Sorry about that, but yes, that's. Um, that's where it lost me throughout yeah. the rest of the movie. But you know, other than that, um, those are only my those are my digs. Yeah, know, I mean, I think spoiler terms. Uh, I I agree that it kind of it ramps up so quickly. Um, but there's also still kind of the, you know, the stake of the movie is still father versus son. Yes. Um, which I liked. And speaking of the chain, like if you listen to the song, like the lyrics that are happening like throughout that battle. I think it's like it's really like James Gunn said that the soundtrack's gonna have a more important role this movie, and like the chorus of the Chain by Fleetwood Mac is, and if you don't love me now, you will never love me again. I can still hear you saying you will never break the chain, and it's like that's the whole p- 
point of this battle is basically Starlord saying, I'm not going to be like you, dad. I'm <laughs> going to like, I'm going to kill you because you're a bad guy. Yeah. And I was like, it, it worked really well. And then like, there's the whole, um, uh, what's the other song that ego, uh, continues to talk about the sailor and the sea and, uh, uh um, shoot Brandy. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like that's like a really important song for his character. Brandy, and, you're a fine girl. Uh, mm-hmm. kind of how he kind of realized that I love, I love your mother. Like he, he genuinely did love Peter's mom, but he knew that that love was going to keep him from coming, was going to keep him from fulfilling from, his mission, from fulfilling his mission, taking over the galaxy basically and you know, destroying that life. So he's like, I have to kill her. Otherwise I'm going to keep returning to her. Yeah. And that's, that's not good for me. Right. Which is a ridiculous premise, but there was some, right. Kind of, like, but it, it, like, a, it, it works. Emotional logic. Yes. Don't kill someone because they make you sad. <laughs> right. <them. laughs> yeah. Um, and speaking of the final battle, the, did you have any man of steel vibes? Yeah, that's where I, that's where it lost me. Yeah, I was, I was like, like, I was eh. like, this is like Man of Steel because mm-hmm. uh, it's just like it's it's both of them flying and punching. And I was like, this is exactly like the final battle of Man of Steel, just without the casualties. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I guess that's probably why it's like I don't I haven't really seen that be a big criticism of the movie. Um, yeah, I mean I don't but, have it, but uh, I've got some other little notes here. Okay. That I do want to mention the button of death baby Groot scene wasn't spoiled. The yeah. Chris Pratt's part of that was just as funny. It got you laughing more and more at his mm-hmm. search for tape. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think his the best part of it was saved where he's like, Drax, do you have any tape? Yeah, scotch tape will work. <laughs> well, then yes. why'd you ask? <laughs> yes. And then um, he gets back to Rocket, and then Rocket's like, did you ask Nebula? He's like, Yes. He's like, did you? He's like, no. But she was right next to Yondu. Yeah, <laughs> she she definitely heard me. Yes. So that that was a that was excellent on his part to keep that entire scene funny because you get get you get you laughing mm-hmm. at the initial part of that, and then once Chris Pratt's part's over, you're ready to go ahead and laugh at something you already know is funny. Yeah. So that was excellent. Um, I did mention Nebula before. The the, the real problem I had with it was just, um. Like her kind of like her villainy one-liners and just like kind of this like sense of power that she had just because she's a daughter of Thanos. Where you know she shoots off the the mini fin that Yandu has and then she like eats that fruit that all keep telling her it's not ripe, don't eat it. Yeah. And I was like, that didn't really work for me as well. I thought it was cool that <laughs> like, she was the one that like basically almost decapitated Yandu. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like when she's also like she's like that's enough killing for today. Like why do the Ravagers listen to her? Like. <laughs> she's not a ravager like she has no power with them um it don't really work for me there and uh i did like the ravagers i liked all the taser face jokes oh my um, goodness the because best part. the best part is like as he was promoting i think the first movie somebody asked james gunn if taser face was ever going to be introduced in the movie and he was like i don't like how am i going to use a person named taser face like that's just a ridiculous name like how am i going to use that character yeah and the fact that he used him and then played on that joke as basically mm-hmm. his demise right <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was it was pretty funny um was oh while well, you mentioned his demise and the sovereign were better than i thought they were gonna be i thought they'd be a bunch of stiffs 
but they're actually just people painted gold with personalities. Right. And when the sovereign starts to laugh yeah. at that, that you're like, funny. it's like the ultimate diss yeah. on Taser Face. Yeah, because like they're like they're they're treated as like these higher up beings that aren't gonna like do anything wrong, and then mm-hmm. like we're like, okay, even these people are laughing. Like it's like it's yeah. just like yeah, this is such a ridiculous name uh, that's impossible not to laugh. Uh, and I did like. Um, their arcade style. Yes, <laughs> very cool. Where they even have like '80s style, like arcade game sound effects in mm-hmm. there. I just thought it was a nice touch. And then, um, one of my big pet peeves of movies is when you have just like these these monumental odds against the heroes, where then you kill one thing and then everything else dies. And yeah. I was like, it's gonna happen at some point with all these sovereign ships. And both times, the first time, Ego just kind of goes and like zaps all of them gone. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, that was awesome. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the second time, they use all the lasers on the ship to just do a quick 360 spin and take them all out. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's a quick, clever way to get rid of all these ships. Uh, even though I think the sovereign race is pretty, like the sovereign are kind of unimportant in the movie outside of saying to the ravagers go find these guys for us that way yondu can turn good and be captured and all this stuff but uh i mean i said in our preview that i think their big purpose is just going to be to set up the future mm-hmm. of adam warlock and they did that uh so i was i was okay with them yeah same here um other thing real quick i really liked cracklin in the movie sean gunn uh yep. he got he actually had stuff to do this movie besides just kind of standing behind the other ravagers like he was the one who basically formed the mutiny against yondu mm-hmm. and then i was like uh, like that part i was like cracklin what are you doing yeah. <laughs> like you are his best bud and you're turning your back on him but then i was like it was good it was great that he ultimately was in the helped baby group find the finn and help them get out and then now based on the post credits it looks like he could even have a much larger role Oh, yeah. uh, moving forward he's a part of the team and then uh him him coming to uh star lord with the zune yes <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's what people on earth use nowadays yeah. so it's pretty up to date yeah. i just that got me laughing so hard i forgot to look up when i mean when were zunes actually like they there, there was that push for zunes to be like the big competitors with uh ipods yeah i mean that was that had to be like 2010 um, or something right i think it's like earlier than that. i think it's like 2006 Okay. Yeah. So it's just like, it was just funny, like how dated, like even all the way out in space, like right. the new technology on earth is actually like years and years mm-hmm. and years old. And then they use it as a final, not dig, but a final like emotional hook to get you. He's like, Yondu wanted to give it to you when he, when you returned. Yeah. yeah. When you came back to us, it was like, ah, oh. yeah. And then it was a great trade off. Cause he's like, here you can have Yondu's arrow. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. so good. Uh, last thing or two, two last things. Uh, well, last thing, I guess, uh, we got a Howard the Duck cameo. Yes. He returned. Which is, it was funny to see him in there. Uh, very quick. His Once line. You go, what, duck. You, yeah, you yeah. You can't go you can't uh oh she was Yeah, there's some other pun on yeah, that. Yeah, it's like it's like it's basically like the like the saying like once you go black you can't go back. But right. it's like once you go duck you're you're out of luck or something. <laughs> yes. I don't remember what it is, but it's like I think that's it. It was super funny. Um and then in early in the movie, the last thing I have to say about it before we move on to the post credit scenes and stuff. Uh, we had Sylvester Stallone in the movie. Mm-hmm. We previewed him a little bit. We talked about his role a couple weeks ago, and his intro was awesome. Like yeah. he just like he channeled that Creed Sylvester Stallone, and just like he just like brought like a level of just like like gravitas basically yes. to the movie, and like his just like banter with Yondu, I thought was great. And I was mm-hmm. like, I want to see more of this. 
and now I never will. <laughs> right. <laughs> but as soon as he steps into frame, you're, or not as, as soon as the frame comes on yeah, him. Yeah, you can hear him before he's yeah, seen. It's like, oh, holy smokes. That's Sylvester Stallone. And then you learn he's he's the big dog. And you're like, oh, that makes sense. Yes. 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 And he's then, the leader of the Ravagers, basically. And then he leaves and you're like, oh, no. And then he comes back. Yeah. And then he comes back again. And you're like, oh, heck yeah. And then I finally got where all that was coming from. And it was mm-hmm. very cool. Worthy payoff. Yes. Uh so those are all my thoughts on the movie besides post credits. Do you have any others you want to touch on? Um, your favorite song on the mixtape. Um, either the chain or probably Mr. Blue Sky. Just because every time I hear Mr. Blue Sky, I instantly yeah. hear, I instantly see Groot's dance. So mm-hmm. uh, it's probably one of those two. Um, yeah, I think those are those two are my favorites right now. Yeah, I'll take Mr. Blue Sky and Southern. Uh, Southern Nights by yes. Brad Campbell. That's, um, what else, that's all I got. All right. Uh, so the first, we had we had a record five post-credit scenes in the movie. I think we talked about how maybe one or two of them would actually be like important to the movie or the future. The rest would probably be just jokey. And, well, I think a lot of them were, three of them were jokey. They were actually all kind of important in the larger yeah, it's <laughs> scheme like of an everything. Ex- it's an extension of the narrative. Yes. So the first one we had... Uh, talked about a little bit ago craglin puts on the extended fin of yondu he gets mm-hmm. it embedded into his brain yeah. uh it looks like he'll be a part of the guardians moving forward it looks like mm-hmm. so yeah. very very cool i'm excited to see more of him poor drax yeah <laughs> uh yeah. he just anytime he, he's always cleaning his swords and then just stuff happens so the second one uh, is probably the biggest i mean it's uh, it's the second biggest one uh we have sylvester alone return and after, during the Ravager funeral, we get glimpses of all these other Ravager factions. And it's not really like clear on who a lot of these people are. But then at the end of the movie, Sylvester Stallone's like, I'm going to get the gang back together. And it's basically the original Guardians of the Galaxy lineup from the comics. Uh, it features him as Starhawk, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Stakar Ogard. Then you have his sister, played by uh, Michelle Yeoh, uh, who plays Aletta Ogard. Then you have Ving Rhames playing charlie 27 he's just this giant dude uh then there was michael rosenbaum as martin x the big diamond the diamond looking guy then there was a head of a robot named mainframe yeah voiced (laughs) by none other than miley cyrus uh pretty crazy and then there was this big red lizard looking sorcerer uh who's actually his name is krugar he's from like the 31st century in the comics and he is basically like the eventual replacement to Doctor Strange. Mm. So he like does these like really cool like magic symbols as yeah. like this cool like uh, basically emojis. Yeah, I was yeah. like that, that. That's cool. All right. Yeah. So I like that. I think that it looks like they'll probably return for Guardians Three in some capacity. And I, I mean, I'd love to see a mini team up between uh, the two, the oh, two Guardians teams. Definitely. Basically. Uh, and then the third one we had. Biggest one we t- we thought it would probably happen the tease for Adam Warlock with uh, Aisha being called to the High Council I believe of the Sovereign and they're not obviously not very happy with what has happened recently and mm-hmm. she says well they'll look they'll have to wait until they see what I've created next I think I'll call him Adam yeah uh, referring to Adam Warlock which we know is going to be in the third movie but now it's just cool to have that tease at the very end um, looking forward to that obviously yeah. Absolutely. And then the fourth one, or the last one, we had, uh, or the fourth one, yeah, Teenage Groot. Yes, very funny. <laughs> uh, 
which I don't, we will probably that's the only time we'll probably see him since right. there's going to be a four year gap between the end of this movie and Avengers Infinity War when they appear next. Mm-hmm. So he'll probably be he'll be like middle aged group by that point. Yeah, Maybe he'll be even bigger than he was in the first movie. You don't really know, um, but I thought that was a funny scene. Definitely. And then the last one we had uh, an, uh, our second Stanley cameo of the movie. Uh, but he's in the same role both times. It's him in an astronaut suit up on a uh, a comet, basically, yeah. and he's with these three bald giant guys known as the Watchers, uh, and basically confirms this big fan theory that Stanley plays the same person in all of the Marvel movies, and that he then he just reports back to yeah. the Watchers about you know what's ha- what what are the latest happenings on Earth, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So, Absolutely. I uh, thought that was a fun little uh, thing to stick in there. Yeah. Plus, I mean, now we know the Watchers in the universe. They could maybe have a role to play in uh, the next move. And not, maybe not Guardians 3, but in Infinity War, they could intervene possibly. You never really know. Uh, and I actually thought if they are going to introduce the Watchers as like actual characters and not just these giant baby-looking dudes, uh, Peter Dinklage, I think, would be a pretty cool uh, watcher Ooh. if he's going to be like this big important role. Because I feel like he has that face to do it, but then he can also he has the voice, and then he could all he could be part CG, and that way he's not just like he doesn't have to be like relegated like a dwarf or yeah. something. He can just be like one of the most powerful beings in the cosmos, uh, which I thought I think would be perfect for Peter Dinklage. Definitely. Uh, so we know Guardians Three is coming next. We know they're going to be in Infinity War. Uh, are you excited to see more of these guys? What do you uh, want to see? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, like, listen, like the whole team uh, is has been like finally fully constructed, and now like you, when you insert them anywhere, it's gonna be hilarious. It's gonna be awesome, and uh, their role in Infinity War, we know they're gonna be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully, it's front and center, and it's everything but you know hanging out with the villain that's that's what i that's what i want most how about you yeah i mean i i'm I'm pumped for guardians 3 since james gunn's returning to write and direct um i can't remember i think it was chris pratt or zoe saldana who said that in infinity war the guardians are kind of supporting player supporting characters oh, heck yeah. since it's an avengers movie they're not avengers but they're still gonna have very important roles to play i'm sure um and I wouldn't be surprised if in Infinity War, the fourth Avengers movie, or Guardians 3, if uh, Peter finds a way to get his celestial powers back. You know, I don't love the idea of that because then he's he's not just a normal human anymore. Mm-hmm. He is a lowercase g god, as uh, Ego would say. Yeah. Uh, I would not be I don't, I feel like that's a weird concept to introduce and throw away so quickly. So I could see that coming back at some point. But other than that, I mean, I want to see... Nova come into the picture, Moon Dragon, Drax's daughter, um, Adam Warlock, obviously. Uh, and then we had Cosmo appear in the end credits, as well as the Grandmaster. I don't know if you oh. saw that. You saw him dance on the side. Yeah, I did see that. And I was yeah. like, that's weird, because if you can have, if you can make him do that, just have him cameo in the actual movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like that was a little bit of a waste, but uh, maybe Cosmo will finally get his telepathic abilities to speak and everything. Hmm. Which, yeah. A little strange, but you never oh, know. Oh, then there's David Hasselhoff. I forgot to mention him. But yes. Yeah, he was a fun He was a fun thing that they threw in. There. That, was, that was so random. <laughs> it was. I mean, it fit, but it was all It was all good to me. Yeah, it worked. Um, but yeah, that's our, those are our reviews on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Both give it four ticket stubs out of five. 
looking forward to what comes next. Uh, and one of the movies we got to see, or one of the trailers we got to see beforehand for the movie was the latest trailer for Dunkirk. What did you oh, think? Holy smokes. Shot for shot, magnificent. It's going to suffocate us all with drama. Uh, and, you know, uh, it's like, in my head, the gold standard of movies and drama and tension is Saving Private Ryan. The first 15 minutes of that movie especially, and but just the whole film entirely. And it looks like Nolan's got something that's going to give it a run for its money, if not surpass it. Uh, the, the the drowning scenes, like the water is just used to terrify you. Like, I'm afraid of drowning in every scene almost. Almost every scene. Someone's about to drown. And I'm like, oh no, oh no, please no, please no, please no. And I'm, uh, uh, it's looking epic in almost every way. Uh, I wish I had seen that 15 minutes of film that uh, played before Kong, I remember. Is that uh, right? Yeah, it wasn't 15 minutes, but yeah, it, was, it extended. So. Yeah, uh, and I, it just looks amazing. And I think Nolan is really setting himself up with something super special here. What did, about you? Did you see Guardians in uh, IMAX? I did not. Okay, I did. I forgot to mention that. Uh, I'd recommend an IMAX 3D. I think it sounds really good. There's a really cool shot with an arrow. Uh, plus part of the Ravager breakout scene that oh, yeah. uh, works really well in IMAX 3D. And uh, that'd be, it sounds great. I I got to see the Dunkirk trailer in IMAX. And I mean, yeah, it's, it sounds so good. Like, I feel like it's a lock already for at least an Oscar nomination in editing and mixing for sound because I mean, it just sounds so insane, uh, like in a good way, not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, it just looks so brutal. Like it looks, I mean, it's, it's not an R-rated war movie, but it looks just as vicious as an R-rated movie would be just without just the blood and guts and gore it's just that brutal like terror like you were describing of Mm -hmm. we could die from bombs we could die from drowning we could die from gunfire from planes we could i mean so many possibilities uh i mean it just look i mean it looks gorgeous just the shots that christopher nolan and his uh choreographer not choreographer his um cinematographer that you mentioned last week that i can't remember the name of oh yeah yep yeah uh good shorthand for yeah oh yeah uh yeah that guy, uh, I mean, all this stuff looks great. I read an interview this week about how they fit the planes to film in IMAX so they could actually do real aerial combat that's never been done before in movies. And I'm like, Christopher Nolan, you are, like, spoiling people. Um, and I think, I mean, it just looks really, 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 really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's, like, no dialogue again, which is, like, what we talked about in the summer preview that yeah. I think that's a focus so that Christopher Nolan can get all the attention for his directing and not the acting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it looks just super brutal. Uh, he, in that same interview, he mentioned that the pacing is relentless and I mean, just in the IMAX footage plus this trailer, like you can feel that where it's just, it's so constant that you're going to be like hard to, of like breath. I feel like as you watch the movie, cause you're going to be so on like on the edge of your seat with anticipation of what's happening next. Yeah, I mean, it looks like the only reprieve we're going to get is Celian Murphy begging the civilians that rescued him yeah. not to go to Dunkirk. And they're, you know, headed straight into a war zone. So uh, it's looking so epic. And uh, yeah, I 
I can, although I'm having a hard time conveying how excited I am, but it's very much. Yes. Uh, we also got our first trailer for the long, the long awaited trailer, in fact, for The Dark Tower. Yes. What'd you think of this one? Um, terrific, actually. Uh, if you, any movie with Idris Elba is going to get me there, and you throw in the fact that the source material is a Stephen King novel, you top, toss in Matthew McConaughey. And then you say it's a stylized Western. Uh, yeah, I'm here for it. And it looks <laughs> it looks fantastic. Um, it, it doesn't see, it seems to be set after the books. Yes. So I have no idea where the plot's going. Um, and there's little inklings of what I've read before, you know, in the Dark Tower series. But uh, have you read the whole series? I've read the first four and a half, like four books done. Okay. Yeah. I started reading once they announced um, that they were looking to turn it into a film so yeah and it looks really special especially anytime ilba is firing off those revolvers just looks so cool doesn't it yeah i mean that was definitely the highlight for me as i mean we john wick kind of crafted that kung fu uh term where it's kung fu but with guns and like i mean just the way he loads all of his guns where he's just like the one he's just like popping them in like pills almost and then uh, he's like throwing them up and catching them. I mean, they're so just like that looks super unique. I haven't seen that kind of stuff before, which is always a credit to movies when you can bring something new to the table. Um, so that was definitely the standout for me. The rest of it, I feel like I'm kind of grading on a curve where I'm afraid of this movie because there's ha- this is the first marketing for it and it comes out in August. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why haven't I seen this? Why didn't I see this trailer in January uh, instead of May? <laughs> like. Right. That, that's concerning to me a little bit, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it has Elbutt, has Matthew McConaughey, and I mean, yeah, it, look, it looks good. And Idris Elba's father is Denzel Washington. That's awesome, too. <laughs> Wait, what? You didn't see that? There's a clip of Idris Elba reflecting on his dad, talking about his father, and it's Denzel Washington. Really? Yeah. I did not notice mm-hmm. that. It was very I, cool. I did see, I watched a video where somebody like meant, showed a... Uh, there's a Easter egg for it um, with uh, there's like a sign that says Pennywise and there's like this like he's like stack of balloons right next to it. Oh. Um, and then there was something about the shining, but I can't remember what it was. Yeah. Oh, his books all have um, they're supposedly taking place in the same universe. Yeah. So they all have like little uh, calls to them. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the movie The Mist? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Yeah. There's re- there's like I think there's two references to the Dark Tower series. Gotcha. That, uh, including Idris Elba's portrait, not him, but the gunslinger. Right. Yeah. The so, gunslinger. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm interested. Uh, hopefully it will wow me when it comes around in August. Um, but going back to Marvel real quick, uh, we have the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which has the tagline of "It's all connected," basically saying that all the movies take place in the same universe, but then also the TV shows technically take place in the same universe even though though, so far there's been no real crossover except for like ages of shield referencing the sokovia accords or the netflix stuff mentioning the incident or the green guy Mm -hmm. or you know yeah like just really like vague references like that but so that has continued to have fans say we want a real crossover in some way where a tv character appears in the movies or you have a movie character cameo real quick in a, in a TV series. And Kevin Feige told io9 that the 
first could possibly happen in the future, and he believes it will happen, assuming both the movies and the TV shows continue to be made and are successful. He thinks it's only a matter of time before we see some sort of crossover, even though he isn't sure how exactly it'll work, um, because he did kind of make it sound like if it does happen, it could, it may only happen if it's uh, with recasting the characters. Oh. Which I, I don't love, but... No, I don't either. Because I think if you are going to bring Daredevil into the movies or something, mm-hmm. Charlie Cox deserves to be Daredevil in the movies. Yeah. Um, but I think if, you know, in 10 years down the line, if S.H.I.E.L.D. is back into the forefront of the films and they need a director and, you know, Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. is no more at that point because I'd be shocked if it lasted 15 seasons. Yeah. Um, but to have somebody else play Daisy Johnson, a.k.a. Quake, instead of Chloe Bennett on the big screen... I wouldn't be totally upset about that as long as they maintained all the continuity that happened beforehand. Yeah, I I mean, the only thing that dissuades me from that is just that Kristen Ritter, Charlie Cox, and Mike Coulter, they made those characters. Yeah. And I, I think it's upsetting that you wouldn't, you would go out of your way, recast them. Right. And toss them into the universe. Um, it just seems like it's... Uh, kind of devaluing the work right. they did to make those people relevant again. Yeah. Especially Christian Ritter's, uh, Christian Ritter's Jessica Jones. Yeah. I can't say enough of how great of a, uh, of a first season that they, they had with that series. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, and I mean, I think these, these things, I think these tech, these quote unquote crossovers will really only happen once. I think the TV stuff is like once ages of shield is done, then maybe, the movies will think about bringing Coulson back into the into the mix because they don't have to worry about, okay, well, what is S.H.I.E.L.D. doing this season? Okay, well, what are you guys going to be doing in three seasons because we're filming a movie that's going to come out in three years. Yes. Uh, there's so much plan that goes into that where it can make it super complicated. Mm-hmm. and Logistic nightmare. Exactly. So, but then, yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree. If you are going to bring, you know, somebody from the TV, whether it's Quake or daredevil or even like one of the inhumans from their upcoming series or cloak and dagger or squirrel girl whoever they cast on that tv show uh yeah, that's right like if they get i mean those people are investing a lot of time to make these characters super popular and if you are going to bring them into the big screen and maintain that continuity i don't know why you want to just keep that actor because like i like the idea of quake becoming the director of shield for instance and I don't think S.H.I.E.L.D. would have... There's not going to be like a S.H.I.E.L.D. solo movie where you're going to have to rely on Chloe Bennett to star in a movie for two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Instead, she'll have a Nick Fury-like role or a Maria Hill-level role where she'll just pop up randomly. And I think Chloe Bennett can definitely do that and you know not be like, you know, be like oh, she's just a TV actress or something. Like yeah. She can hold her own in that regard. And I feel like if you are going to do these crossovers, just keep it simple and... Mm-hmm. Uh, bring these actors in absolutely just make it happen yes uh something that we are not going to see happen but would have been very cool according to the director would be guy Ritchie's idea for suicide squad 2 hmm. uh, he told variety that he had his uh his eye on suicide squad 2 but thanks to his previous commitments like aladdin he will not be able to do it because of his scheduling so do you think that he could possibly be a contender for Suicide Squad 3, a future DC movie? Do you even want to see him tackle a DC movie or superhero movie in general? Uh, Guy Ritchie's good at ensemble movies. Even though I don't think he's ever done one, his style lends itself very well. I haven't to... seen Snatch, but 
I believe that's Guy Ritchie. I think that's an ensemble. Is technically. it okay? But his 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 pacing, his, right? His, the, the character dynamics, um, especially when you think of Danny Jr. and Jude Law together, mm-hmm. um, they they play well together. And I think him in a Suicide Squad movie where he's got a a slew of characters to quip at each other and have fun with, makes it perfect. Um, uh, maybe if he did a third one, sure. But we haven't even seen the second one come up yeah. yet, so that's. You know, that's putting it out there. Mm-hmm. But uh, Guy Ritchie's a great director. So him picking up a, a hero movie um, and doing his twist with it, I think is always a good idea. Yeah, no, I think Guy Ritchie will tackle a superhero movie eventually because, I mean, I feel like it'll probably not be with the MCU because he's too high profile for what they've been going after recently. So, but I mean, that could also really depend on if King Arthur is a huge success People are going to be targeting him even more. If it's a big bomb, mm-hmm. those conversations will yes. cool very quickly. So that's a big uh, thing. But I would I would be interested to see Guy Ritchie in a superhero movie or not in a superhero movie, but direct one. Yes. Um, but I don't I, I agree. I don't really see him fitting in Suicide Squad um, or really the DC universe for that matter. And if he is going to do one, I think he'd be a good fit for Gambit. Oh, okay. Because that movie needs a director. Yes, it does. <laughs> if it's ever going to get off the ground. And uh, I think his just kind of kinetic and very like uh, frantic pacing and cutting and everything, I think that could work well for Gambit. And he'd mm-hmm. got to work with Channing Tatum, uh, assuming he's still on the movie whenever it gets made. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think that could be a good pick if, uh, if Fox is listening. Mm-hmm. So, uh, speaking of the X-Men we know that New Mutants is coming out next year, and then Deadpool 2, and then the uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix movie, and Omega Underground unearthed a series of audition tapes this week for future X-Men movies, and one of them, they believe, is for the role of a young rogue, first appearing in the X-Men movie played by, um, can't think of her name, but she's in the movie. She's right next to Hugh Jackman throughout the whole thing. And then she's in, I think, the whole X-Men original trilogy. And then she's in the rogue cut of Days of Future Past because she was cut from the original cut. So they made an entire rogue cut for Rogue. Uh, just a little on the nose there. I thought she did make it in, didn't she? In a non-speaking uh, well, I role? Guess, I guess, like there. I guess at the very end, the future to read, like the future alternate reality thing that they have. I think she's there in that. But. Yes. Um, Anna Paquin. Anna, Anna Paquin, yes. Yes. Um, yeah, so there, uh, these audition tapes surfaced. They believe it's for X-Men Dark Phoenix, and that way we can get an, a new rogue, uh, a young rogue in a, in the 80s or something. Um, but I think it could, all, it could also possibly be for New Mutants. I think that could uh, that could possibly fit as well. Y- yeah, it just, I'm so off on the timelines here now. Oh, yeah, there's, there's no be- timeline. And, yeah, because is, if Rogue's like technically like a teenager in 2000 when the first X-Men movie dropped. And that movie takes place in the future. of two, It's not, that movie doesn't take place in 2000. It takes place in like. 2020? 2015 or something, I oh, think. Yeah. <laughs> so like she's a teenager then. How does she, in the 80s, did Hugh Jackman's, did the, did the time, the plot alternate reality caused the parents to meet earlier and to, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're working with alternate timelines and realities and stuff. So, uh, I've said repeatedly, I've kind of just given up on trying to mm-hmm. make sure that Fox's has continuity with <laughs> their original stuff and more yeah. so just see if they can eventually connect everything that they're currently working on. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think if there are auditioning tapes servicing now, 
it wouldn't make sense from from my perspective that Dark Phoenix would be casting if it doesn't come out till November. But right. New Mutants comes out in less than a year. We don't even have a start of production or anything. So uh, if Rogue is being cast in a younger role and they are the New Mutants, I think that'd be a good way to weave her in. Definitely. Um, have She's- her learn about her powers basically absolutely she's a perfect outsider character especially you know with her powers and the effects they have on other people so she would be a great add Mm -hmm. to a new mutants cast yeah uh moving back over to the mcu we had confirmation this week thanks to uh some fans in edinburgh scotland that tessa thompson has arrived to film on avengers infinity war marking her second appearance as valkyrie uh this is the first time it's been confirmed that she will reappear after thor ragnarok which is very cool yes definitely i mean we haven't seen her in action yet but tessa thompson is great yeah absolutely and knowing that she's likely to survive uh is good great Mm -hmm. actually yeah i mean i guess we can't always trust this stuff because a certain somebody posted photos that they were on the set of avengers infinity war and we know from certain events in certain movies that they will certainly not be in that uh, movie. Yes. Um, so some trickery there. I forgot to mention that in our spoiler section. Um, but very, very, very job well done, Marvel, for that mm-hmm. one. You fooled, you definitely fooled me. Uh, if you listen to our uh, <laughs> our preview episode. And yeah, yeah I, I'm glad to see Valkyrie back. Even though I haven't seen her yet, I Tess Thompson's great, and I want to see more of her. Yeah. So we'll also be seeing much more of Finn post star wars episode eight john boyega confirmed to the steel wars podcast that finn will make it out of his back to suit thing that he's floating around in in uh the first trailer for the last jedi and will return for episode nine epic i mean i didn't think he was going to be out of commission the whole movie and his life was gonna be like (laughs) right but uh yes i mean john boyega's chemistry with daisy ridley and Oscar Isaac yes. is phenomenal. And it made me wonder, like, where where is it at here? Is it Oscar or is it Daisy? No, it's it's John. And having him back around uh, for the ninth, confirmed now, uh, yes. makes me feel better about eight and, you know, yeah. where, anywhere that movie goes. Yeah, because you never know. If, I mean, we obviously know from The Force Awakens that Star Wars isn't afraid to kill people. And uh, it's nice to know that, you know, Finn will make it out of this movie in return for the ninth movie. Especially if if he is partially decommissioned for portions of this movie, I want to see Finn back in a prominent role and mm-hmm. doing all of his cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but one of the best movies of the year so far for a lot of people has been Get Out, and the Hollywood Reporter is has revealed that Jordan Peele, the director of Get Out, is sticking with Universal to craft his next directorial effort that will be another social thriller. Uh, he was reportedly sought after by pretty much every studio in Hollywood. And offered films uh, like The Flash and Akira from Warner Brothers. Turned those down so he could do a smaller original film that will have a budget five times that of Get Out for the grand total of $25 million. Yeah, he did it on $4 million. Yeah. Isn't that, that, it's in crazy. Um, good for him. Yes. He's a guy that you just feel awesome rooting for, especially uh, um, after the success of Get Out which is, you know, terrific. Yeah, I mean, it's still one of my favorites of the year so far, and I am glad to, even though I would have loved to see him tackle a movie like The Flash or something, mm-hmm. um, I was so pleasantly surprised by how great Get Out was that I am going to be there opening weekend for whatever Jordan Peele imagines up next. So 
I'd rather him kind of build his way slowly to potentially doing a blockbuster instead of making a $4 million film and then making a $214 million film. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it's, it's a win-win for, I think, everybody. Um, so that's it for the main news. We'll move on to the flyby really quickly to wrap up the show where EW released this week the first photo of the murder of the Orient Express cast. And it looks epic. I yeah. mean, it's got... Not everybody, but, but basically a, a ton of people that you just you just love having on screen. I mean, Daisy Ridley, um, Michelle Pfeiffer, William Foe, Josh Gad, Johnny Depp to some extent, I suppose. Uh, Kenneth Bronigan, who's directing and yeah, starring. starring yep. uh, Penelope Cruz, Dame Judi Dench is in there. And Leslie Odom Jr., notable from the Hamilton cast playing Aaron Burr. Hmm. I'm excited to see him uh, act for the first time on screen. Am I overexcited for this, or are you digging it too? I mean, it has a great cast. It's a mystery thriller. I'm interested in those. So it's, I mean, I am on board. I mean, the photo doesn't really do much no for intended. me. Yeah, that's yes. true. I, there, well, there was no pun intended <laughs> on that one, but uh, I am just so so funny that mm-hmm. I just do it unknowingly, apparently. Uh, <laughs> not really. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in the movie. Uh, I'm I'll be more excited once I think I see a trailer yes, for it, which now that they're kind of, they did like this whole press thing where like they had like service on the Orient Express or something for press to come and see. And uh, they showed, I think clips of it this weekend where uh, I think it's only a matter of time before we see it. Cause it comes out later this year. So yeah, I think it's next week, maybe at the earliest. Yeah. Um, did you mention Josh Gad in that he was part of the cast? Yes. Okay. I can't remember if you mentioned that. Did you see the, his photo this week that kind of stirred up the internet? This is off topic, but no, I didn't. He posted a picture of uh, the penguin on uh, Twitter this week, Ooh. sparking speculation that uh, he could maybe be the penguin in the DCEU. He would be a perfect fit. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. A lot of people are like, "Oh, he's going to be the penguin in the Batman," but the Batman Matt Reeves hasn't even started working on the Batman yet, so that's they've definitely not cast mm-hmm. Josh Gad already for, for that point. Um, but I think he, I mean, Suicide Squad two. Or yeah. not, or not, maybe not that. Um, uh, Gotham City Sirens is what I meant. Oh, uh, oh, that would be an excellent antagonist. Him, him and because we have the rumors of Black Mask maybe being the villain. Um, they're crime bosses. Yeah, I think that would, that would, that would work well together. Absolutely. Um, we'll have to wait and see if anything happens out of that, or if he's just pulling everybody's leg. Um, but we also got a script writer for the Gears of War movie yeah. with uh, Avatar 2's Shane Salerno being reported to be tackling that one. Mm-hmm. He's also had credits on Armageddon and Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Yikes. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I mean, but he's also attached to all of the other Avatars too. So I think maybe he was, oh, okay. he had treatments or I mean, whatever had, the case I mean, was. They, they had like a giant writer's room in yeah. that film for those um, movies. So. so he could be on the bad side, he could be on the good side, but the Gears of War movie is picking up steam and I don't know anything about it, but... Video game movies are always interesting to watch. <laughs> go through their production phases. Yes, mainly just to see if they happen, and then if they do, whether or not they're going to be good or not. Yes. Which the track record says not. Mm-hmm. So uh, who knows? Maybe he can help turn this around. Um, last story of the day: we got uh, news this weekend that Will Ferrell and Jason Momoa are teaming up together to play TV or they're like uh, reality star TV characters in a movie that are father and son. Will Ferrell be a washed up reality TV star while Jason Moe is a prominent one in the yeah. present day? And then they kind of meet up and have their relationship play out. Mm-hmm. It sounds funny. And it's a great pairing too. Uh, 
I mean, Moa, who's looking like he's finally getting himself out there mm-hmm. with uh, the Aquaman role, and then Will Ferrell. I think it's a hilarious combination. Yeah. You just got introduced to him acting uh, in, Game in Game of, of Thrones. Thrones. Yes. Does this does that pique your interest more or not? I mean, he's not very funny in Game of Thrones. No. So, but... uh, not from that perspective. I mean, he has the thing about Game of Thrones is he's really just that demeanor where he's just like the the muscle man kind yeah. of where it makes me more excited for him in Aquaman or as Aquaman more so than in a comedy. But I am excited to see Jason Momoa spread his wings and not just be the action guy. See what kind of charisma he has because uh, yeah. he has some of the funnier parts of the Justice League trailer. Mm-hmm. So if he's going to be playing off that in this movie, I think that could work off really yeah. well. Imagining him as like a surfer dude, it just it just seems hilarious. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's all the news. That was our review for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, uh, which wraps up this episode of the pod. So during our time away, be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything we covered by tuning us at Friends and Film. We receive updates on the podcast, movie news, and more. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Coops underscore Hoops. And you can get at me, at Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. Yeah, and if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, you can head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review with comments. And to give you a little extra incentive this week to do so, in honor of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 coming out. If you go give us a review by uh, next Saturday, which is May uh, the 13th, if you do so by then and you leave us comments and so we can see your usernames and everything, uh, we will pick from the new reviews and uh, give away this awesome vinyl cover art looking poster for guardians. So uh, we'll share a photo of it on uh, social media so you guys can see what you guys are trying to enter to win for, but do so and uh, help us uh, become more, uh, more well known on iTunes and everything. So it'd be very helpful and hopefully you guys will enjoy the poster. Whoever uh, wins it. Yeah. We'll announce that next week. Uh, speaking of next week, what are we going to be reviewing Josh? That's a very good question, Cooper. Go ahead and tell us. <laughs> Yeah, we did not discuss this before. I forgot. Uh, we are going to be reviewing King Arthur. Heck yeah. Legend of the Sword. Uh, the latest from Guy Ritchie. We talked about him earlier. So are you interested in seeing this movie? Yeah, I think my biggest entry point is Charlie Hunnam. The more I watch him in these trailers, the more I think, oh, this guy looks really charismatic and this could like, you know, maybe be a really good kickstart for his career because he's had sort of up and downs throughout most yeah. of it. I mean, have you watched Sons of Anarchy? I know that's his, like, that's his big... Yeah, not interested. Yeah, so. I haven't seen it either, so... It seems like he's the same guy, but this looks right. like he's being a little bit more open and like pop culture-y, mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm all about that. Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, the latest... Mar- the, the market over the last like two months or so has impressed me, so uh, it's gotten me more interested in it. Uh, Colton, who's been on the show many times before, he got to see the movie a couple weeks early thanks to AMC. Uh, we did not get to see it because of a scheduling thing, but uh, he's he is uh, giving his thumbs up for it, Ooh, so awesome. makes me more sin in him because I trust Colton. Uh, we don't always agree on everything, but for the most part, we have similar tastes. Um, so yeah, I think uh, it could be a sleeper uh, hit. I don't yeah. know if hit's the right word, but uh, I think I'll enjoy it. So uh, that's what we're reviewing next week. King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Go check it out. Uh, and thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of Home podcast. Josh. Thanks for stopping by, everyone. Be sure to tune next week for a review of King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Bye.